1: Now, I don't know about you, but there are some times that I will order something online with my computer. Have you ever done that? How many of you have ever ordered something online? Would you raise your hand? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. When you do that, sometimes they'll ask you what city you're in. Have you ever noticed that? And some of you have the computer that when you hit HO, immediately it'll put Honolulu in there. How many of you have a computer like that does it for you? All right. The next time it does that, I'd like maybe for you and me to train our minds to think in terms of, oop, H-O, Honolulu, but now I have to think in terms of, yes, I live in Honolulu, but I'm also in Christ, and I want to receive from the Lord all that I possibly can learn. So, he's uh, speaking, but he's also speaking to me, and that's a very important part of my walk with the Lord, that I want to listen to what he has to say. But I also need to understand why God has something to say to me. Now, why? If he's going to say something to me, why in the world would God want to talk to me in his word now to cause me to change? Well, let's go back again to the Bible days. Again, that's why you're here to learn a little bit about the Bible and then again how to apply it to our life today. Here's Paul now. He's in another city. He left the city of Thessalonica. Why did he leave the city of Thessalonica? They were hot on his trail. They didn't believe he was who he claimed to be. They didn't like what he had to preach and what he had to say. Paul was standing that Jesus Christ was the Savior, the only way to get to heaven, and that the only way to live our life is to be found in God. He was teaching all of that, and they didn't like it. They were after him everywhere he went, so he was fleeing. But he also remembered that the brief time he was in Thessalonica, he was able then to lead people to Christ, help them get a little grounded as baby Christians, and begin to put together a new church in that area. Well, now he's gone from that area. And so what's happening at this point is he's concerned about them. He has a shepherd's heart. He really wants to know, how are they doing? They know that I had to flee. That must mean that they were afflicted too. And did they go back? Did they now stop maybe wanting to walk and follow God? What struggles were they having in their life? And so he was so glad to hear how they were doing when he got a report back. So why am I saying that? Maybe some of you today, the Lord is going to speak to you because you've gone through some affliction in your life. And this is going to be how that you can rise above the changes that you have. Maybe some of you right now are a new Christian, and you might be now questioning, should I really go on for the Lord, or maybe I could do a little bit of the world, a little bit of Christianity, and you're really stumbling and falling a little bit, but you want to go on. This book is a wonderful book. It's a simple book. It's a profound book. It has truths that will help you in your Christian life today. It also will give you truths to know what to look forward to the Lord's coming again in the future. If there was one book in the Bible that you would want to begin with, this might be the very book for you to learn. So he wrote it because he loves you. That song that we sung this morning about the heart of God's love will change our heart because of his love. And I pray that we might lean into this book. And that's why he wrote to us. To help us in our change of life as well. But we also need to know what he has to say to us. What what is God really saying? There's some very practical things in here. Well, there's a famous Bible teacher by the name of John Stott. And there's many outlines on 1 Thessalonians. But this one I particularly like. So I'm going to share it with you. And it's in your notes as well. For those of you that would like to fly over the book of Thessalonians. And you want to say, okay, what are some of the high points that I'm going to see as I look out my window. Flying over 1 Thessalonians. What would it be? I thought it was so cool. I wanted to share this with you. Here's why. It's because it follows the purpose statement of our church. It's what we stand for as a church right here in this passage. So let's look at it, if you will. It talks about Christian evangelism in the first chapter. How wonderful that is. It's going to talk about reaching others for Christ. That fits our mission, which is what? To evangelize the world locally and globally. And that's what these people did and how faithful they were at it. And then it talks about the ministry in the next chapter. I like that part about it too because we're going to learn how to be equipped for ministry. Those of you that are saying, you know, I'm a little bit further along than just being a young Christian. I'm ready to know how can I make a difference with those who want to make a difference. How can I influence others? Very simple. Stay with us because we're going to teach you how that you can make a difference with those who want to make a difference in ministry as we learn how Paul did it. He's our model in this. And then we're going to learn about Christian behavior and we're going to learn about doctrine and truth, especially about the Lord's coming. Now that's interesting because that talks about edifying to maturity because the only way we're going to grow to become more like Christ is if we know the book accurately, who he is and what he stands for and the fact that he's coming again. So you're going to get into some deeper truths in this book and you'll understand it. And then finally you're going to hear about Christian maturity. And we would call it here encouraging participation with one another, how to love on each other and how to really be there for one another. This morning, I got all the mail that was delivered up into my office, and I saw a little envelope in there. And I opened it up, and that little envelope was one of our surveys that we send out to our first-time guests. And we asked three or four questions. And the first question they'd ask is, what did you think of our church before the service? And you know what they said? They said, when I came here, it was my first time, all the people welcomed me genuinely. I felt so loved in this church. That's because there's community that's operating here. So I say to you that our guests, it is not about us four no more shut the door. We're here and we welcome you, whether you are one that's still superstitious and you want to learn about that and what God has to say or wherever you are in this whole list of kinds of people because you're now coming here today because you want to make a change. And one more thought that's very important. You made a change today even to come here. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Because this hour or so, you put yourself underneath God's word and the love of God's people. And you made a change. You could have done something else that you probably regularly do on this morning. But you changed and you came here today. So you've already taken your first step moving forward for God. And I affirm you for that. I love you for that. And I want to go on the journey with you as I watch what God does in your life. From the inside out So God has something to say And this is what he's going to teach us A lot of things about all different areas Of our walk with the Lord But we also need to know how God will speak to us There's a tone in this particular letter Now another question I like raising your hand Seeing who are out, who's out there But here's my question How many of you have read other books in the Bible Other than 1 Thessalonians Would you raise your hand Now when you read those books Have you noticed that some of the different other books They have a different tone to them For example, when you read the book of Romans, it sounds very procedural, very legalistic in the sense that it's a legal proceeding type one. It really wants to lay down the facts for you about the Old Testament and the Jews and where they are today and moving forward. How many of you read the book of Proverbs? It sounds like you're sitting down with an older man who's really been around the block and he gives you some wise counsel. So the tone of it is wisdom. And then how many of you read the book of Galatians and it sounds like the writer, which is Paul, is angry? And he is a little bit because the people he taught were now slipping away from the sound truth and he wanted to bring them back again. So what's the tone of 1 Thessalonians? I love it. The tone of 1 Thessalonians is, I love you. I pray for you. You encourage me because I hear that what you've done in the short time I was with you has not only changed your life, but other people are talking about you. And so it's a tone of affirmation and love, but also, he says i got some things I want you to learn about good living, how to have a righteous life, how to be moral, how to have a life that would be pleasing to the Lord. So it's a book that really talks about change. So what's the first thing you need to do? Well, we need to begin with the right attitude about this book, that it's God's mind on paper, and the weeks that we have before us, God wants to speak to us about change. What's the second one? The second one, he wants us, besides just to begin with the right attitude, he wants us then to live in the right climate. Now there are people that are moving here to Honolulu because they love the climate. Who can't love the climate? We were driving around the island with our guests yesterday and part of the island it was real sunny, the other part of the island it was rainy over there, but on the rainy side everything was green. I was joking with them. I told them, "You know what? Things are so easy to grow on this island that you could take a pencil and stick it in the dirt and a pencil would grow." You know? That's our island. It's the climate. But you know, as for Christians, we too have to have the right climate in which to grow. And I believe that God in his sovereignty spoke to the Apostle Paul and had him write a spirit that Paul had for the Thessalonians in a way to let them know what was the climate that caused those Thessalonians to grow and would cause them to grow to their next level. It's found in three words. Here they are. Grace and peace to you. And then later on he said, we always thank God for you. So grace, peace, and thanksgiving. If you create a climate about you that you're a person of grace, you're a person that has peace around you, you're a person that's humble and grateful, you're going to be a magnet for others. So that when you do speak a truth about God's word to them, they're more willing to listen to you. That's why it says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Grace always came before truth with Jesus. Grace and peace. I think this is cool too because he was using two words. Grace and peace. He knew his audience. He knew that he had his audience full of Greeks that were there. They would speak a different language. So he would greet them by saying grace, which is another word to say giftedness. I love you or I I like you and and, and I I say hello to you. It's a grace word. Then to the Jews that were present, that didn't mean as much to them. They were concerned because they lived a life of a tremendous amount of confusion and frustration and, and enemies against them. So he spoke to them and he said, peace to them. So he greeted them with the environment of saying grace to you and peace to you. Now what do you think we do when we greet someone? What do we say, everyone? Aloha, don't we? And that's a form of saying grace and peace and I love you and it means so much. Aloha to you. I want to give myself to you. I want to receive from you. I want us to bond and be connected. I want you to have everything I have so I could add value to your life. You mean something to me in some measure, aloha to you. It's the most endearing term, but then there's that dynamic of Thanksgiving. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak to a moment of, to those of you that have been wanting your family to grow, or your husband to grow, or someone else to grow. And so you think that the climate for them to grow in is the climate of guilt. And you try to put them on guilt all the time. You know what guilt does? It strangles them. It hinders grace from happening. Then some of you, you think that maybe you'll do it by giving them fear. You scare them to death. That if something goes wrong, you think the hammer of God's going to come down on them. And you think that's going to help disciple them. That doesn't help. It's grace. It's not guilt. It's peace. And it's not fear. And then there's some that they think that I don't need anybody else. I can grow by myself. I say that's the opposite of thankfulness. Because when I say thank you to someone genuinely, sincerely, not the words, I'm saying I couldn't have done it without you. I needed you. It's for you that this has happened to me. You are more than me at this point on this issue. And so right now it's not individualism. You mean something to me. I needed you and I'm saying thank you. There's that, that attitude. Now, when you have grace, peace, thanksgiving to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your friends, that's the climate that's going to help them to grow. So, do you have the right attitude? The growth climate is going to be grace, peace, and thanksgiving. That'll be tremendously helpful. But let's go a little bit further. The third and final particular point in helping us to really make the change is that it needs to be built on the right foundation. It's got to be on the right foundation. If you look back to the passage, it says this, and I'll read it to you. It says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your, here it is, work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. What are the three words that will help a person to grow? The foundation has to be first faith, labor, love, and then hope. Three words, faith, hope, and charity. Now, if you don't mind, I want to speak to the visitors, our guests here today if you will, maybe some of you that have been coming just recently, you want to say, all right, I I want to make a change, but I know that I have to have the right attitude. I do know that I have to have the right climate. I think this is the right climate. I see a lot of grace here. I see a lot of peace. There's not factions in this church. I go to other churches, they're fighting everybody. There's no fighting in here. I'm seeing that there's a lot of love. But where do I need to begin? I have to tell you that if you say that you want to begin by listening to God speaking to you, then the very first thing you want to listen to him say to you is this. Now listen to my words. I'm going to quote God's word. For God so loved you, my friend, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that if you will place your faith in him, believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. Your first step in making a change is to come to Christ by faith. What you're turning from is a belief system that is contrary to a system of faith alone. And what you're saying is now I realize that whatever I believed in or whatever system I held to, that cannot save me. I am now turning to Christ as my only Savior. So I'm placing my faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's the first foundation. That's where you begin. Now when you have that... There's this new love that happens. The night that I trusted Christ, it was late in the evening, and Carol led me to Christ in the middle of the week. I remember that when I trusted Christ, I can't explain the feeling, because it wasn't so much a feeling, but it was... I heard some of the guys say the other night, it was this relief. It was like, I'm really loved. God loves me. He doesn't hate me. So my foundation for growth is I place my faith in Christ. I experienced all at that time the love of the Lord. And now here's the best part. I now have the hope of heaven. Now what I don't mean is this. I didn't have the, I sure hope I go to heaven. That's not a hope of heaven. The hope of heaven is, now I know I'm going to heaven. And that really gives me hope. Now if I can explain it very crudely to some of you, you'll know exactly what I mean. Have you ever been in a time where you were in a car on a long trip, usually on the mainland... And you had to go to the restroom. And it was no restroom in sight on a long freeway or turnpike or interstate. And all of a sudden you saw the sign, Restrooms Ahead. All of a sudden you felt a little better because you had what? Hope that it was there. As a side note, have you ever seen a sign like that? And when you pulled into the rest stop, it said, Closed. Here's what I want to tell you. God says in his word, heaven, a place of eternal rest. You can trust his word. And when you get there, it's not going to say closed. It's certainly not going to say out of order. So you now have the hope that you are going to heaven, that joy of anticipating you're going to heaven. Now that's your first step, people. Now some of you might say, if I own this message, if I'm here week after week studying this, applying this to my life to make a change as a believer in Christ... Will it make a difference? Will I have a change? And the answer is absolutely, 100%. Yes, mark it down, if you will. There will be a change. When you get into the Word, and you know that God is speaking to you, and you choose to surrender your thinking and your application of it to your life, I promise you, you will change. You will not regret it. Now, I want to be very clear. I, nor the Bible, nor Jesus Christ, ever promises that when you surrender to Jesus Christ in His Word, that you will have a life without problems. He's never said that. What He did say is this, that now, when you do have problems, you will have a problem solver in it. You will have a life like a beautiful rose. There'll be thorns on that rose, but you're still going to have that beautiful rose that He's promised in the book, because you've surrendered to this. You might ask, well, if I do all of this and... I'm experiencing change, will other people see me change? Because some of you right now know that there are people in your life who love you so much that they're hoping that you would start making a change in your life. Not because they hate you, not because you're such a rotten person now, you're not. But everybody wants to good, better, best and never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best and that requires change. We all want that. But you're wondering if I do all of this will there be a payoff, will there be? I can promise you too, there will be a change. People will see. There'll be a large group of people who will celebrate with you as they're changing too. Yes, you'll have some people that'll come against you, but in all the love I can, those kind of people sometimes just don't matter in the eternal things. If you would look at First Thessalonians chapter 5, or chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, I want to show you the change and then we're going to close. Will other people notice? Absolutely. He says here, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. Woo! I love that. That means it's not just information, but there's going to be a change. And in the Holy Spirit and much assurance, so you can trust this, folks. This book was not written by man, but by God. So there's assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So he says, we've changed and we've modeled that change in front of you. And you know that we're real because the word changed us like it will change you. And he says, and you became followers of us and of the lord having received the word in much affliction in some of you it's going to be hard for you to be here every week Some of you are going to have to make some choices, and it'll be a little bit more difficult. Some of you will have to miss a week, and you'll have to go to the internet and download our messages and get them because you want this truth. Some of you, when you receive the word, you'll change your life, and all of a sudden, things are going to go a little wacky on the job. Some of your family's at the backyard barbecue, and you're talking story, but you're talking without profanity now, and you're talking with joy in your heart and talking with expectancy and hope. People are going to come against you. You're going to receive it in affliction, but yet with joy in the Holy Spirit, so that You became examples to all in Macedonia. Now, that's cool because it's saying beyond Honolulu. The other islands saw you. Family on the mainland saw changes because you believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. So you not only have changed your life, you've also changed your lips, so to speak. You're now speaking more. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere you go, everybody sees a change in you. And then you could read the rest of it. Why? Because you've decided to turn toward the Lord And come to him by faith alone and then allow him as a believer in Christ now to take control of your life. Uh, My question to you is, do you want to change? Do do, do you really want to go to the next level if you have changed? Do do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? And then the next question is, if you're not sure, how much more will it take of the sovereignty of God doing something in your life to cause you to want to change? And I'm going to tell you, it's a wonderful, wonderful journey when you surrender yourself to the Lord. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and no one looking around? It's an opportunity for you now because He speaks, but He speaks to you. And I have no doubt in my mind that God was speaking to you in some measure this morning. That God loves you. You live in Honolulu and now you want to live in Christ. So your first prayer might be this. Lord, I know that... I'm outside looking in to the faith of Christianity. But Lord, I have lived outside and I've done everything I could, but there's still a void in my life. And I want to have a relationship now with you and I want you to define that relationship. I don't want late night comedians to define the relationship. I don't want people on television or radio or other places. I want you to define what a relationship is with me. And so Lord, I am going to come underneath the sound of your word. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you as a sinner, as someone who's missed the mark of moral perfection, and I need it to be forgiven. And no man can do that because no man is, is God enough to do that. And so, Lord, you said you'd forgive me. That's why you went to the cross, and you could forgive those sinners on the cross. You could forgive those who have cast lots and whipped you on the cross or brutalized you when you were innocent. So, Lord, I need you to forgive me because in a certain sense I rejected you. And today is the day I'm coming to you. And so, Lord, by faith alone, I believe you died and rose again. And I want to say thank you that you honored your word to forgive me of my sin. And now I can begin a relationship with you that will last for eternity here on earth and then in a place called heaven after my body dies. Now, I don't know how you want to put that in your own words, but as long as it's by faith alone in Christ alone and not by any good deeds, you can have eternal life. Is there anyone in here today that in your heart you're saying to the Lord sincerely, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I want to make a change. And my change is from being outside the faith to being in the faith by trusting you as my Savior and you alone. I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I want to know, is there anyone in here today that's trusting Christ and would like for me to pray for you? So I'm going to have you slip up your hand. Raising your hand won't save you. Me praying for you won't do that. But I'll know at perhaps in your heart that you trusted Christ when you slipped up your hand. So is there anyone here today that's ready to say, I'm ready to make the biggest change in my life, but the most important change that I need to make, have to make, and if I don't make, I'll be ruined for eternity. And so now I am making that change, and I'm placing the little faith that I have in Jesus Christ as the Lord who died and rose again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're doing that today and you've never done it before, but today is the day you know your sins are forgiven and you're heaven-bound and have an eternal relationship with Christ, would you slip up your hand real high? Put it up, put it down. That's all you have to do. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. All right. Now, Christians, let me ask you this question. Has there been enough coming into your life now that you're at a point that you're seeing, I've got to make some changes as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a mom or a dad? As a Christian, and I want to lean into these messages. I want to do what you're going to teach me through this. And I don't know where it is, but I'm going to come expecting you to speak to me through your word. And so, Lord, help me to realize this. And I want to make some changes. And if you'd like for me to pray for you with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to come up to you afterwards. I'm not going to ask you to sign any paper. I don't even know what areas that you're dealing with. Or maybe it's a bigger thing than that. You need to make a full surrender to him now as the Lord of your life, as a believer. But whatever it is, you want to make a change. And you know you need to make a change. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Because you know He's coming again. And you want to be ready. Father, with humble hearts, we do come before you. And we realize that we cannot change ourselves. It's when we come to you and we allow you to take control of our life, you begin to do the change. And then it's not trying to live the Christian life by do's and don'ts and legalism. It's by yielding this to you. And we do it from the inside out. So change our heart, oh God. And may it ever be true. Change our heart, oh God. May I then be like you. And so Lord, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name.